You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. Strava Craft Coffee is giving away five $1,000 gift certificates to their online store this week only. Yes, you heard that right. All you have to do to enter is order some Strava Craft Coffee, which is extremely easy and delicious. And you can still use that DNVR20 code to get 20% off your entire purchase when you enter to win that $1,000 gift certificate. It's an incredible opportunity to win a ton of Strava Craft Coffee. Just go to Strava Craft Coffee. Dot com, order yourself some coffee and you will be entered and have a chance to win. You can treat yourself to a fresh roast of Strava's CBD infused coffee or pick up some CBD coffee pods. They have K-Cups now if you're a Keurig type of person that you can share with friends and family or for yourself. Any way, shape, or form you want to get in on this, order between April 27th today and May 1st and you will have a chance to win. Get your golden ticket and don't forget to use that DNVR20 code. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J. T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer to try, so if CBD isn't your thing, maybe alcohol is. They have delivery and pickup from both of their locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. I'm Nathan Rudolph. Joining me is AJ Hayfley. As the NFL draft was going on over the weekend and kept us here at DNVR quite busy, the NHL was kind of working and creating some news behind the scenes, starting off with the news about their NHL return to play committee, which has members from both the NHL and the NHLPA on it, that are talking daily about plans and how they can return the NHL to playing hockey. Go figure. So, some more news about this has continued to come out over the weekends, and it sounds like they are starting to put some plans in place on an if and when they can get back on the ice. Yeah, to be honest, it sounded uh, a lot more like, once once you actually read the, the, the column from Larry Brooks, the New York Post, you start to, you start to see that Okay, this is something that needed to happen in order for us to start to 
consider coming back for the game of hockey to return. But right now, all it is is questions. There are no answers. Uh, there's there's no plan in place. We don't even have sites selected yet for players to go, let alone the logistics of getting the players into those cities, quarantined and healthy and 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 set up in such a way that 31 NHL teams can resume a regular season in these various host cities. I mean, ever the pessimist, they might not have sites selected yet, but there is confirmation that they are scouting sites for these opportunities, including Las Vegas is one that has been talked about a lot. They've got it narrowed down, according to this article, they've got it narrowed down to about 12 cities. So, so it's not like there's it's not like there's nothing being done. Right. They're they're getting somewhere. This is ju- these are just the the beginning steps that needed to take place uh in order to eventually work our way towards getting there. So, we're not there. Hockey's not coming back in the next 2 weeks. The idea that June 1st uh the NHL will return was far-fetched when John Scott tweeted it out the other day, and it certainly looks like it's not going to be anywhere close to accurate. Just to kind of compound on that, they still do have the plan in place of step one here is getting players back in small groups onto the ice to start practicing and, and warm back up to what could be any potential games being played. So that... And realistically, I believe Denver's lockdown has been extended through at least the first week of May, if not, if it doesn't get extended beyond that, which it might. So as far as the Avs are concerned, they won't even be touching ice for at least another 10, 15 days. Yeah, and the the Arapahoe County uh, stay-at-home orders were also extended, so... Can confirm. um, The practice... uh, do you also live in Arapahoe? I live right on the border. I'm oh, just okay. barely in Arapahoe. I thought I thought you might be a little too far north, but okay. Well, we're both in Arapahoe, as is the practice facility. Uh, so the you know they would have to go somewhere else. Yep. To, to practice and do their thing. Uh, this is this is just a. <laughs> The weird part about all of this is that, like, the NBA also sent out a thing today saying, hey, we're trying to get everybody back, um, but it won't start before May 8th, and no groups of more than four people at a time are allowed to do anything, and there's no coaches allowed, and, like, these are, like, the babiest of baby steps, but it's something. Right. It's the... Very, very, very beginning of this process of getting it back, of getting sports back, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm 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 the pessimist because I just don't know how this works, uh, and I don't totally have faith that we're going to do this the right way the first time around. And I think that, and as was acknowledged in the article um, in the Brooks piece that. Starting, restarting, and then stopping would be more damaging than never trying to restart it again. For sure. So, I'm. That's my concern. Is that hey, you know, they've got to get this right. They're, they've got to make a lot of decisions. Uh, they've got to be comfortable with a lot of things. They've got to run through a lot of outcomes and have answers to all these questions before any of this gets going. But this is a start, and 
you can't you can't come back without starting somewhere. So that they've got the committee in, co- committee in place, great. It's encouraging. Let's get started somewhere. Probably still won't see anything happen before July, but at least we're starting to get the ball rolling a little bit. Yeah. It's better than nothing. It's better than absolutely no news whatsoever, which is a guarantee of nothing good. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see something on paper, at least, I would say. And obviously, these type of ideas have been floating around for a while, but just knowing that the NHL has a committee working on it is good to see. But the other side of this coin is all of the logistics that you've talked about, and already there are some quotes out there from Bill Daly, uh, Bettman's second-in-command in the NHL, that are a bit... I mean, they're concerning to me. Uh, I'll put it that way. As we've talked about in the past, okay, they have all of these sites selected. Then they bring all the players there. Then they have to test them to make sure no one's positive. What happens if one of those players gets a positive test? Do they just shut those things down? Uh, Daily seems to think that they can manage that. I don't have the quote in front of me. I don't know if you do. He says everything depends on the facts and entire set of circumstances. But no, we do not believe that one positive test or even multiple positive tests would necessarily shut the whole thing down. He would go on to clarify that obviously the players who test positive would be removed from the situation. But given how the given how this virus spreads. Uh, I'm I'm not. And and the the problems that we currently have with testing, those would have to be answered because they would have to have a lot of tests very readily available with quick turnaround times. Because if somebody tests positive, you've got an entire team and its staff exposed. You also have the entire infrastructure that you built to keep that team isolated exposed. So you'd have to go through and test all of that and make sure all of that is still good in order to can just continue on like, Oh, Hey, this team lost four players to the virus. And now DJ Tynan is Colorado's fourth line center again. Right. Not to mention had they played any teams during that stretch of, of when he could have been asymptomatic, <laughs> right. but positive or whatever. And I mean, funnily enough, the abs having uh three players who have already tested positive might be a low-key advantage if they're immune, but... Yeah, right. <laughs> Antibodies are built. Yeah. Let's do it. Exactly, but there's... Yeah, not to make light of it. Of no, course. of course, it's a very serious situation, but trying times these days, sometimes you gotta, you gotta find the light a little bit, but... A situation like that, it just seems impossible to me that if one player tests positive in one of these sites that are designed for isolation, at minimum, you're throwing everything off for a handful of days to test and get test results back. And if somehow everything comes back negative, then maybe you can continue, but that seems unlikely. Yeah. So It it does. It does seem like if somebody tests positive or... In the case of multiple people testing positive, I don't know how they would continue at that point. Yeah, it just it doesn't seem reasonable for that to be a thing. And I, these are all things that they have to be prepared for if they yeah. do try and come back in the next couple of months. These are the questions that they have to answer. So 
they've got to they've got to be comfortable with whatever contingency they come up with in case of this happening. Yeah, it, whatever their plan is, they have to know that it's a very real possibility that people do end up testing positive. And whether that means worst case scenario and the season is shut down again, or they have a reasonable answer to that. Yeah. I, the odds of that happening, I think are way higher than unfortunately they want to admit, but I mean, I mean, right now we'll see. Look, it's not coming back next month, right? It's not coming back for a while, but, they are closer than they were before the weekend to getting this back. And yeah. that's something. Yeah. So I just want hockey back, but I want hockey back the, the way right way. Yeah. And I don't know when the next time that's going to be. I don't know the next time that media will be allowed at a game. Yeah. I don't know the next time the fans are going to be allowed in games. It's going to be a while, man. There was a uh, shout out to JJ who posted an article about a soccer team that's looking at returning that has started selling their seats. You can buy a cardboard cutout of yourself yeah. and put yeah. it in the seats. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a number of teams start doing this. Uh, I know they talked about it with the KBO, <clears throat> the Korean baseball. Yeah, uh, that I believe was trying to get going. I don't know if they've actually returned or if they're just gearing up for it. But They were planning to. I don't know, yeah, what their date is. Yeah, I don't know if they've actually started playing, but I know that they're kind of like the one that everybody holds up and says, Here's the example. is coming back. Like, here they come. Uh, And I know that they (laughs) they were also selling cardboard cutouts, and I think that's pretty funny. Why not? We I'm saying we gotta uh, we gotta get some of those when the bar opens up for our our oh background when we're recording pods or something. That would be incredible to have cardboard those uh the cardboard cutouts straight out of like Just PTI like style. Them. Yeah. That'd be great. All right. Well, we'll take our first break on that note and you know whenever the bar opens up, we'll be down there drinking some Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR and Breck is just an awesome company in every way. Their beer is amazing. They've been super supportive of us here at DNVR, and we want to keep them going as much as we want to keep ourselves going. So hit them up down at the farmhouse in Littleton. You can order for pickup from them and get their beer as well as a meal, which you can get $5 off of when you use code DNVR. Please help support them. You can reach them at 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. every single day they'll bring your order out drop it off at your car keep the whole social distancing thing going so you can pick up and get on your way second period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by davidson's beer wine and spirits another place you can pick up your breckenridge brewery i'm rudo he's aj the other news that has come out of the nhl which again has not been fully confirmed but Brad Treliving uh, of the Vancouver Canucks has talked about them trying to get a Swedish player signed. Uh, let me see here. Johannes 
Kinval. Um, I tried my best on the name. Either way, they were looking to sign a Swedish league defenseman, but they have to wait, obviously, with the current deals of the NHL and international, as well as the CHL deal, have not yet been extended. But it sounds like, according to Elliot Friedman, that they're looking at extending those current deals by one year, just as is. No changes to them. So... This would answer a question that we had the other day on our talk about potentially having the draft before the playoffs. Yeah. If they get that extended, nonetheless, it still doesn't change anything. AJ brought up before the show, as we were running down things, that means Bowen Byram cannot play in the AHL next year. Yep. So, a little bit. Uh, look, obviously they have to get done what they have to get done to make things continue to function. But I was very curious in how this was going to play out if this were a normal year of hockey and where the pushback would come from from these situations and, and getting players over or potentially getting players into the AHL and things like that. Yeah. <clears throat> I was I I was a little hopeful, probably naively so, that they would not continue. We would get like one like test balloon year of junior players in the AHL. Yep, like be- just to see just to see what those restrict what it looked like if they remove those restrictions, and uh, especially if they have like a, a shortened season of like sixty five games or something, and. Instead of instead of teams having to decide on, oh, you know, Quentin Byfield, NHL or or back to the OHL, he would get sixty five games of AHL time. I was I was hoping we would get to see something different like that. And it's been a while, so I guess we can kind of go over this conversation again. But realistically, the CHL dislikes this because they believe their league is run off of their star players. So the players who get drafted high in the NHL but aren't quite ready to make the cut come back and dominate that league, and that's a big draw for them. Whereas, obviously, the NHL, for these guys that aren't making the jump, obviously the only thing the teams really care about is what's the best development path for these guys. And in many cases, those, those players that don't quite make the cut in the NHL don't really have a ton left to gain from another year in the CHL. And yeah. that's where this comes in. And, and it's the question of, look, this really shouldn't affect the CHL that much because yeah. it will only be a couple of guys at most every single year that are really ready for the AHL but not the NHL. Yeah, there's... You know, a couple of people that that we know are always every time we bring this up, always argue teenagers shouldn't be in the AHL. Right. How do you feel about it? I have no problem with teenagers in the AHL. Um, I've, the Avs have multiple success stories with this. One being Miko Rantanen and Cout's nine games of this year have been quite successful for a teenager playing through the the AHL systems. I understand. It is a men's league. It is a significantly more physical. But honestly, that's the point of them playing in the AHL to me. Uh, there's a significant jump to playing against men, to playing against those type of players. Now, yes, 
the successful players that do this now are all Europeans that were playing in professional leagues already because those are the only ones allowed to play in the AHL as teenagers. Mm -hmm. But realistically, I do think you will get better players quicker out of the CHL if you allow the top ones to come to the AHL and play. Yeah, and this is, again, just for emphasis, we are talking about a very small number of players. Right, like, so the top three draftees of the 2019 draft all made the NHL. Bowen Byram would be one of the very few that could have played in the AHL this year under my concept of maybe a handful of players get status to play in the AHL. Yeah, because Turcotte still would have gone to Wisconsin. Cider, I think, did get to play in the AHL because he was European. Correct. And that's kind of that's, and we're seeing more and more of the teams utilize the AHL for the European kids that are drafted right away. Yep. Um, you know, we saw it. We saw it with the Nylanders. Uh, we saw it with uh, Rasmus Sandin, obviously. Miko Rantanen did it. Martin Kaut did it. It's become more commonplace for these guys to come over uh, right away and just jump straight into the AHL and do a year or two in the AHL and then see where they are. And to be honest, it, it's an advantage for the European players in the draft where a team can go get them and immediately put them in their systems. Well, and, in, and it's a benefit to the player because the player is now as close as you can really get to the NHL. Yep. Uh, and and they are a call-up away. They are an injury away where if they play well enough, you know, they... And, and these guys are all going to be confident guys. So you know that they're going to have it in their mind of, oh, well, if I play well enough, I, I put myself in line to... to be called up to, to, to make my NHL debut... If I stay in Europe, I have no chance of that. Right. You're gone for a year at minimum if you stay in Europe, and then another year if you stay again. And It's it's interesting because the Avs are very comfortable letting their goalies sit over in Europe and, and just chill out there, but we've seen multiple players drafted in the first round out of, out of Europe now that they get over as fast as possible and into the systems and onto an ELC and become an option for them quite quickly. So it's, yep. that's, it's become a trend across the NHL as a whole. If you want a player ready quickly, draft a skater out of Europe in the first round because you can bring them over and get them ready. And, you know, this used to just be like top guys. Right. But then when a guy like Kaut did it, and like when I say top guys, I mean like like the tip top like top yeah. couple of picks. It's drifting into mid first round guys now. Right, and then and like Rasmus Sandin was like an end of the first round guy. Yep, good twenty eighth pick or something like that. So yeah, and as as those as as those stories come out now, if every single one of those guys goes out and bombs, then maybe I'll buy the idea that it's a bad development path. I mean, I can tell you right now already, Sandine has not bombed, so... <laughs> right. Neither has Kaut, and we saw it work with Rantanen. Yep. And uh, I, as far as I know, that first year uh, of, of of Cider was fine. 
Yeah, I think he uh, did. He get NHL games with Detroit. I I don't remember. I don't I don't remember, but I know that Zadina was fine as well, uh, coming over immediately from yes. the check. Yes, he was, and that they were they. Eh, I don't want to say thrilled, but he had like a solid first year, uh, and then he. I think there were some injuries this. It last was year. better for him than anything he would have gotten out of the Czech League that year. <clears throat> essentially, yeah, and. I, yeah, well, and he, I mean, the uh, Zadina also uh, came from, he also had the year in Halifax. Sure. He was the whole weird system with the Euros where they're technically on but, loan to the CHL. but Right, but that also that also kind of drives it home. This is a guy that comes from the CHL, jumps into the AHL, and was just fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, for Zadina specifically, uh, he had the year in Halifax, and after he was drafted, played... 59 games in the AHL with 35 points that first year, including a very Cout-esque three points in nine games in the NHL. And then this year, dealing with injuries, still split time between the two AHL and NHL leagues and, and put solid production up. So it, yep. the backing of this works, they're starting to become more and more players that say, hey, look, you draft them at 18 – they come over, they play a year in the AHL, and then they're they're NHL pieces for you, for first round, early to mid picks, and and even pushing into late now for these European players. Um, the question here is, how many players can do this every year? Because I talked about we're not talking about more than a couple every single year, and yeah. realistically, looking at this 2019 draft, the first round. Byram's the only one that really stands out that would probably be making that type of jump, other than obviously Cider did it behind him because he's a Euro and, and stuff like that. Right. But then look at this year's draft. Just to just Sure, to, the just to, the coming draft. Yeah, just to, to change it up a bit. Lafreniere will be in the NHL. No doubt. Byfield I think probably goes back. You think so? I I do, but I he's going to get drafted second and they're going to have a real question on their hands. I feel like the team that I guess it depends on who wins the lottery, right? If it's a a low end team that needs him, they're just going to try and force it probably. Right. But they could. So, but this is, this is where the AHL would be a nice middle ground. Yep. And then you look at all the European guys, you look at Stutzel and Raymond and Holtz and Lundell. I'm almost uh, certain Stutzel will be in the AHL. Like, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that, that will happen. And then these other guys, we'll see. Yeah, but a bunch of euros that could that that could come over. And if you're developing a guy, and you're saying, okay, what's what am I more comfortable with? This guy coming into our AHL team right away, or watching Cole Perfetti go back to the OHL, right, and score you know, another sixty goals against a bunch of kids that he's just better than. Right, and have have Marco Rossi and Jack Quinn team up on a on a line again, right, and just decimate the OHL and be like, "Well, what are you gonna do? They we just dominated everybody. They're really you know? good at a league that they were really good at already." <laughs> exactly. Like, and that's not to say that these guys don't get things out of going back to those leagues. They certainly do. We have an enormous track record of success of guys spending an extra year or two in juniors that go on to successful careers. But it makes you wonder, is there a better way? Just because something works doesn't mean they're, they're 
isn't a better way for it. it you're not min-maxing, basically. Right. By sending them back. And we won't truly know until the system has been tested, right? Maybe you get that balloon year of, all right, the CHL agrees to one year of letting some players go to the AHL, and all of those players bomb out, have terrible years, and it's clear that this is not the answer. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, maybe they all are extremely successful and and players get developed quicker and NHL teams are are jumping on that ship to, to get even younger. Yeah. So it cannot I, be I don't answered. I do have a problem with the NHL team saying, let's see what happens if we try this. And right. they're finding early success with the Europeans. It's not to say that every single European is going to work out. That's insane. Like you could look at Alex Nylander and be like, well, see, 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 see. But I think that there's going to be enough success and they're, they're doing it more and more all the time. Like Detroit is honestly a great example of this because they were the slowest development program in the league. Yep. You have to go through, you got two years of junior and then two years of in the AHL. And it was a, it was a, you know, you were 24 years old before you were getting a legitimate look in the NHL from that organization, unless you were just a super special player because they had a development process down. Even they have changed it up where they're like, okay, well, let's see what these guys look like. Right. Let's give these guys opportunity. The reality of the current NHL is you can either hack it quickly or you can't at all. The The Ryan Graves right. are very few and far between of guys breaking and, into the league later. Well, like those guys will still happen. There will still be guys who develop slower. They come along. They just need more time. They've And, and teams will find those guys. Uh, the they a- will find the NHL talent. That's what the AHL is for. You have all of your different paths to development through the AHL, whether it be immediate 18-year-old one year and done, or a guy who plays his full ELC there and then finally starts to figure things out. Right. It's it's why I would not be surprised if a guy like AJ Greer goes to another organization and carves out like a decent career somewhere. Becomes a fourth liner type or whatever, yeah. Right, like carves out a job on another team where he gets to play in the NHL semi-regularly. Like, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see something like that happen. Yep, agreed. Because you're still going to have those guys. This doesn't this doesn't take away from them. It's just, it's just one more avenue that NHL teams will have. I was hoping that we would get to see it. We won't. Uh, that's a bummer. It will be interesting to see, especially because there are so many Europeans at the top of this draft class. It will be interesting to see how many of them are in the AHL next year. Because you could see guys like Stutzel and Holtz and uh, Raymond and Lundell and and maybe more than that. At the end of the day, the AHL is a developmental league and NHL teams are going to use it to the best of their ability to get NHL players out of that. Yeah. Um, who's the uh, the kid that Winnipeg drafted in the first round last year? He moved, he moved around all over the place. And uh, the defensemen... Uh, he was the Finnish kid. Was that that was uh, Winnipeg? Yeah, Billy Hinola. It was Winnipeg? Okay. Yeah, Billy Hinola, and he played a couple of games in the NHL. Looked pretty good. 
And then they sent him to the AHL, and then they agreed. They were like, hey, just go back to Finland. Right. Like, this is the best thing for everybody. You go back to Finland. It's okay. It's fine. He went back to Finland. That's also okay. He got a little bit of NHL experience. He got a little bit of North American experience and goes back. I don't feel like he screwed up or anything. They didn't waste a year of development on him. They probably took too long to make the, the decision with him on the 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 ELC. The, are we going to keep him nine games or whatever? Because they kept him around for a while. Like, Dude they, had five points in eight NHL games. He looked really good, honestly. Like he was he was good in the NHL. They were just like, hey, it's the safer route is to to send him back. And then he got the smallest cup of coffee in the AHL. And then they were like, hey, you need to go back yep. to Finland. Yep. And, and like that's also okay. That route is also available. Right. It's it, there's no reason that they are locked into any one decision. Everything can be adjusted on the fly. And teams and players are going to have unique cases. Every player is a different path. Right. And the more flexibility, the better. Anything that's limiting players and where they can and cannot go is a detriment. Yep. So that's, I think, where we both pretty much stand on that one. So limiting development options without is just I just don't think it's it's great business and again like we're talking about an absolutely small number of players here right it's It's not like it's not like they're gonna the first round is suddenly gonna be full or the AHL is gonna be full of first rounders you know there's there's lots of guys that are gonna go back uh, like Seth Jarvis you know Dawson Mercer those guys are all gonna go back to their junior teams and that's easily the best route for them because there's still a lot that the junior game has to give them. That's not always going to be the case. Um, I just, I hope that they they try and find a middle ground on this someday. Yep. This feels, it feels stubborn and disappointing as is. Would be nice. And if you're looking for some flexibility that maybe those junior hockey players don't have when it comes to college, MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado introduction that provides rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates like myself use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. I am a computer science degree, so I can't really say that that's relevant to the field I landed in, but I did get my degree from them and enjoyed my time there much, much more than other places I had gone before that. Uh, Some of our very own staff members, including myself, have taken classes there and will be taking some more this summer. Uh, msudenver.edu slash online. Head on over to that website to check out everything they have to offer, which includes over 750 different classes and more than 40 online and hybrid programs so once all of this blows over you can take your online classes and then get back into the classrooms and on campus so you can do do school that way if that's the way you enjoy it more than 80 percent of their alumni stick around here in denver and we have a great community built to help out everyone so give it a try now if you haven't already msudenver.edu slash online 
AJ's got a little smirk on his face over there as we start the third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast, presented by Davidson's with AJ, as mentioned, and Rudo. Have some questions to answer that we picked up over the weekend. This first one, AJ, comes from Steve, and he asks, firstly, the best as coach. There aren't that many to choose from. There have only been seven in Avalanche history. Um, I think I think I'll go with Harley. You think so? Yeah. Um, it's got to be Harley or Crawford. And I think that he was probably the better coach. Crawford's team was teams were way more fun to watch. But I think that Harley probably coached a better game. All right. Is there any conversation about it being Quinville? Obviously didn't have amazing results with an Avalanche team that was trending down, but knowing what we know now about how many wins he's racked up as a coach throughout his career. Yes. I think the only reason that I don't have him is because the other guys won cups. cups. Yeah. And he did a great job to get some very mediocre rosters into the, into the postseason every year. Um, if only they, if only they kept him. Yeah. Instead of going back to Granado. <laughs> yeah. Could have been a very different history. Um, but no, I, I think Q gets a special shout out. Definitely. But I, I would go with Harley. I mean, it's, you gotta, gotta go with the guy that wins a cup, right? If you're, if it does come down to Crawford and Hartley, I would agree. Hartley over Crawford. Um, I think certainly Q is the best coach they've ever had. That's like as an NHL coach on the whole. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely the case. Uh, I think in that case, it would probably go Quinville, Hartley, Crawford. Bedner, Wap, Sacco, Granado. Uh, yeah, I mean, you might be able to make a case for Sacco worse than Granado, even. I don't because one, his teams overperformed the first year. Right, but I mean, like, if you go back and you actually look at their like underlying and their analytics and it's such, pretty brutal. Yeah. They were those teams were com- way more competitive uh, than like the Wah teams ever were. Okay, I mean, um, I think I think I Sacco. I think <clears throat> Granado Granado had insane talent on his rosters. Certainly, no, the first time through, definitely he did less with more, and that's why I have him under Sacco. I'd, Sacco was a bad coach because his players hated him, not because he was a bad coach. I really, I don't disagree with you. I think Granado's the worst coach in Avs history, but yeah, it's a conversation worth having. The other conversation here, I think, is take away the cups, and obviously, taking away the cups is a big deal. Or yeah. let's say this: let's say Bednar wins a cup in the next couple of years. Is he the best Avs coach ever? Um, 
Does he win a division title in that time? That's up to you. I know it's funny to say that, um, but like, I think Bedner has a lot of room to go up that list. They, um, assuming they play next season, he will be the longest tenured tenured abs coach ever. So yeah, it was it was set to be December, but now you know we don't know how many games right. they're going to end up being played for this year. So. Yeah. It might be more like January to February that he breaks that record, but he should break the record as long as tenured abs coach. Yep. Um, I that doesn't make him the best. I do think that the growth year to year has been very interesting. Now, you know, to go from obviously 48 points, you can't just erase from the record. But we've also seen that since then, like he's a much better coach than that. And so you can't like you can't just be like, well, we have the forty-eight points. He's up, and like that's and then you ignore everything else, like the fact that they won a playoff round. You know, Patrick Waugh didn't win a playoff round; he had a home ice advantage. Yep. You know, like how do you how do you? I think Bed, the Bedner Waugh conversation there. Yeah. It's interesting because Bedner's teams are much. I think they they would smoke Waugh's teams. I would agree. I think I think, I think they would straight kick those kick their ass yeah like all over the place i think that the uh, the bedner team today would smoke the 13 14 yeah i don't think that would be close at all i think that would be a beat down and i but but wall won a division title and like accomplished i mean did wall win a division title or did varley They all did. Fair and that's enough. the thing. Like, yeah. they, it's a team accomplishment, but like, there's only so many accomplishments you get in coaching. True. Um, he did get a Jack Adams for that, so. Which is a, uh, a whole nother conversation, sure. It's a goaltending award, damn it! As you just <laughs> mentioned, Barley, yes. Um, I do wonder, like, what does it, what would it take for Bedner to get to the top of that list, obviously you have to win a cup. Right. That step but one. But if if I mean if he wins a if if he wins the cup this year, they come back and will they win the cup this season as like a top three seed in the West? Sure. How do you how do you argue against Bedner as the best abs coach of all time? He's got the he would have the chip. He wouldn't have any division titles or anything like that, but steady progression and more, and the accomplishments would still be there. The let's say he wins two. Does anything else matter? Two cups automatically number one. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I I don't when it comes to that man, like you. Right. They, they just the, the championship most man. successful oh, ads coach ever. Right. Yeah, right. Like this is that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> like you've got to win Stanley Cups. Yeah. Even if they got to a Stanley Cup final, I think that would push him ahead of Quinville. Man, I love Quinville, but you're probably right. Yeah. I just I I the other thing is, is I have confidence that Jared Bednar is going to have a long coaching career in the NHL. I agree with that for sure. And Colorado, regardless of the success, like the, the ceiling on his success, I 
It will not be his last stop. It very unlikely will be his only stop. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could work out, right? Like maybe he's just here for 20, 20 years and he years. wins five cups and he but, goes on to have a Hall of Fame career. I mean, and we all look back and remember that we wanted to fire him because he couldn't get a team to win a game in January. That, one year. Would that be the longest head coach tenure ever in the NHL? I don't know what the... Yeah, I probably. I mean, I Scotty Bowman coached for a thousand years, so... Yeah, that's true. I forgot about you know, Scotty. There are some there are some coaching tenures out there where it's like, oof. He's already in what the top ten of current coach tenures, but probably because of all of the uh uh all the turnover that we've seen in the NHL in the last couple of years. Yeah, because Boudreaux's gone. Yeah, you know, Bowman actually didn't yeah, currently only um, is Blashill still in Detroit? Yes. Yeah. So Sullivan, Tortorella, Blashill, Maurice, and Cooper are the only ones longer than him currently. So he's the sixth longest right now. Yeah. Yeah. He. I mean, Bowman just coached for so long, but he had nine years in Detroit and eight in Montreal, seven in Buffalo. So just. And and nine years for one team as a coach is like insanely long. <laughs> like yeah, well, and then obviously like Bowman won the cup in Montreal five times. Yeah, unbelievably Once successful everywhere he went. Yeah, three in Detroit. So. Yeah, good lord, and he only won two Jack Adams. Ridiculous. Nine Stanley Cups, but two Jack Adams. So that really should drive home how stupid that award is. Wow. So here's a, a – Joel Quinville is the 18th longest tenured head coach. This was three months – in January. He's the 18th longest tenured head coach in the league right now with 45 Before? games with the Panthers. Okay. So uh, <laughs> NHL coach, not a very secure job. Yeah, whatever. Um. Anyway, uh, Al Arbor. By okay. The way. Oh yeah, yeah, years. yeah. He was with the Isles for forever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next question, kind of playing off our our talk of the Evs potentially playing in the playoffs this year. This one comes from DB Hammer. Would you rather have the top eight teams in the NHL play a win and you advance format, or have the top four teams play best of five series, assuming the playoffs return in some fashion? Best of five. Win yeah. and you advance. Anything can happen one game, and hockey sucks. Agreed. The, you need a little bit of series because you can have a goalie just show up for one game or a right. funny bounce decides a game. and Right. And, like, bounces decide these things all the time, but they bounces over time. Right. That's why you have and a series. <laughs> exactly. Like, football is designed for one and done, move on. And that's you why know, but, Vegas should have um, beat the Sharks before it was – a three-three series, right? I mean, it's why it's why Patrick Waugh's career shouldn't have been ended by Andrew Brunette. Yep, exactly. So, you know, like you you play a series. A best of seven would be ideal. I, if you're just going to do four teams, I don't know why you'd even mess with the best of five. Just do a best of seven, right? Four two rounds of best of seven is not that much right. time, right? Like you're you're talking about three series in total. It's fine. Yep. You could even do a consolation just for the hell of it. <laughs> we don't need that. We don't. But 
I no. For me, that's an easy top four, best of five. I would do best of seven. Um, top eight, one game. No, nah, it sounds awful. Agreed. You want to you want to put a big asterisk next to a Stanley Cup? There you go. Honestly, oh. even best, all you had to do was win three games. Like, come on. Even best of three feels a little chintzy to me. Honestly, like, yeah. If you wanted to do a top eight best of three first round and then best of seven from then on, fine. Yeah, sure. It was even that would still feel like you know one upset is going to happen in the best of threes and yeah, right. Somebody's going to go two zero and you're going to be like, well, if that had been a best of seven, yep, we'll never know. (laughs) Exactly. All right, one final question here. Danny asks, most if not all pro athletes are extremely competitive. If you were to pick someone to help you dominate bar games, darts, pool, etc., who would you choose? And we'll start with hockey players, but he also expands it to all sports as well, mentioning McKinnon and Elway. Michael Jordan. (laughs) That's true. The documentary. The man's a stone-cold killer. I'm not watching it, by the way. Um, I'm waiting till it's over because I want to watch it all at once. This once a week shit is not for me right now. I don't want that at all. That just sounds like cruel torture. Having to wait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That... Michael Jordan. No way. Michael Jordan, d- one through ten. Great uh, answer. Michael Jordan, one through nine, ten, Patrick Waugh. <laughs> there you go. Jordan, you know, would be betting like thousands of dollars on these these bar games, right. though. And thus would take it ultra seriously and probably <laughs> stab you with the dart going into the final round. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, Michael's... A- Tough one to beat. I don't know if I can come up with a better answer than that. Hmm. I'm trying to think, but why? Really underrated, uh, really underrated ultra competitive guy was Peter Forsberg. Yeah, Forsberg's a great answer. Um, definitely soft hands. He'd probably be awesome at darts. He's half blind in one eye, though, so I don't know if I trust that in darts fine okay if you say so um yeah Juan Forsberg I think are very good answers I don't I'd be tempted to go with someone just like huge like you take a Chara or somebody who just like stands over the other team while they're throwing their darts like hey don't miss (laughs) Ryan Reeves and Tom yeah. Wilson. <laughs> Who just, like, have their fists, like, raised. Right. <laughs> Ryan Reeves just stands there. Yeah. <laughs> sure you want to do that? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Jordan was the correct answer on that one. Yeah. I don't have, I don't have any rebuttal to that. Um <laughs> All right. I I guess any final thoughts, AJ, on the potential of the NHL returning in July or or whenever? I know I I, I know some pessimistic Ready stuff is to about back. to come out. Yeah, me too. Just, I miss it, man. I miss I miss. I I might be the only person out there who feels like he's actually had fun during quarantine. Like I've done a lot of different things, and I try to I try to just take life as it comes and not worry too much about what's been taken from me. And focus on what I have because I've had a lifetime of stuff taken from me. So this is just like another, I'm just like, okay, well, this is just what it is, right? And I try to make the most of the situation. And I've I've found a lot of different things and I've I've 
there are things I've stumbled upon in like my day-to-day existence that I've really enjoyed. As you can see behind me, since I, I, I guess they can't, but you, you can see all these boxes stacking up. Yep. I bought a ton of furniture. <laughs> is that a chewy box? It, it, yes, it is. My mom actually sent me. Uh, my mom had made me a um, a quilt, and she sent that to me. Okay, I was uh, like, that's what that's for. That's what that is for. I was pretty sure you didn't have a pet, and I was like, nope. <laughs> No, um, but the the like it's all stacked up because uh, trash day is tomorrow, so I'm taking it all out. And um, but no, I've bought I've bought a bunch of furniture and including a new like office chair after using this beat up, broken down hand me down from Cheryl that she gave me five years ago that was broken when she gave it to me. <laughs> and I bought a new one that is very nice and comfortable, and I'm still adjusting to. <laughs> but it's I you know quarantine. I I've tried to make the best of quarantine. I. I feel bad for the people who are going out of their minds and have to like take to Twitter to just like scream at the world because they're so cooped up and frustrated. I'm sorry. I wish I wish I had something. Um, but for me as an introvert, all I've yeah. done is just play video games and like sort of adjust and straight up the first like week. I think I, I think like the first week of quarantine, I was like in heaven. And then after that, I was like, yeah, I'm bored. The introvert and life has it. Things haven't changed that much other than like I just don't go in to the DNVR office or bar, which sucks. But Yeah. And and like I don't get to go to the games. Yeah. And like, but this is this is like summer just started early. The big thing is is that I can't go to Canada and Canada can't come to me. And like my personal life is kind of in upheaval. But beyond that, like I'm adjusting. And I will be very excited when this ends because we are going to have the mother of all end of quarantine parties at the bar. Yeah, it's going to be dope. Like, I'm going to probably sleep there and spend multiple days there in a row. And, like, it's going to be amazing. It, but, yeah, like, I'm, I miss talking, like, real hockey, like, substantial hockey, having real hockey conversations. I miss writing. I wrote about Martin Kelt last week and it felt really good. We did the NFL draft production, which P.S. You were amazing on. Um, like you, you rocked that that whole production, and I'm really excited to see when you and I do the NHL draft version. I'm so with, stoked like, for the NHL draft with, like, that we're gonna put on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you and I basically, and then yeah. I'm sure we'll have a couple of guests. But yeah, we'll definitely have to do that. Also, that's the one thing that I would really like for us to start changing since we're just spitballing now um i want to for the next few months i want to start bringing on a lot more guests to just talk about quarantine and hockey and life and everything for sure because i imagine everybody's really tired of hearing just right. the two of us like in our wheel i know y'all day. like us but you know i when i can't even handle more of myself at a certain point <laughs> y'all right. gotta be tired of us right like and like we didn't do the show last friday and nobody said anything yep <laughs> Normally, if we were to miss a show, people are like, where's my Yo. avalanche pod? Yes. <laughs> and like, nobody says anything. And so it was like, yeah. It's we like, we're in that, that time. time. Yeah. Yeah. We needed a little bit of that. Di- we One whole day off. We needed it. Just because we were, we were crushing the draft. Yep. So. Well, anyway. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to our draft coverage as well, which which should be coming up here in May. Yeah, we, you and I talked about it, and we wanted to start getting it going in early May. We're 
you know, we've got a whole prospect series for current abs prospects of written content that we're going to pump out and shift into covering draft stuff. And then whenever the games come back, the draft stuff will just sort of be there. Yep. So, so still plenty on the docket for us as far as content coming y'all's way. Uh, I think I just put up a highlight of Matt Steinberg as well. So, and, and which Evan, I enjoyed very much. I think, I still think he's underrated. I don't, uh, that he's a uh, worse. Cam Morrison is what I took away from his highlight package, but get out of here. Um, he, either way that's up. Evan just posted a film room of Sam Gerard today. Highly recommend you check that out as well. Mate, I'll make you a steak dinner bet that stand that, that Matt Steinberg outscores Cam Morrison at some point in his college career. I'll take that bet. Sweet. Uh, well, hang on. Which year? Because Morrison, I don't. It, Pick one. Okay. His upperclassman years. Maybe Steinberg I, I, gets I, to twenty. Steinberg, I, I'll, I'll clarify. Steinberg's highest scoring season will be higher than Morris. Right, I'll Morris definitely. I'll, I'll take that bet for sure. Okay. <laughs> All right, there you have like, it. Give me bet three years in the making. Yeah. <laughs> when RK never I'll pays me, I'll pay up on my bet since Jesse Montano hasn't given oh. me my uh, my dinner that he owes me. The call out. Well, I, yeah, I earned a dinner from RK on the on yeah, the draft pod. So. That, by the way, <laughs> that was the biggest layup of I alley oop you so unbelievably <laughs> hard by getting that information and then like. I I was I'd already watched the video that you put up because I had already searched. He was like, "Oh, what's if you could get him returning kicks?" And I was like, "Dude, it's the first thing that pops up on YouTube when you search for his name. <laughs> it's the first thing." And it was like thirty seconds into that video. I yeah. I honestly I was like, "Free dinner. I'll take get, it." I, I'll split my Chipotle burrito with you. I was going to say, man, I should at least get the appetizer from that dinner. <laughs> that was such an alley-oop, but that was also, that was, that was awesome. I was also happy to have helped. All right. Well, we're a little off the rails on the show now, but. I don't care anymore. Plenty, plenty of good content coming at you here at the DNVR.com. If you haven't signed up for a membership, we still got you covered there. Obviously the NFL draft coverage, if you're not hockey first type guy, tons of it out there. We're going to get out of here for the day, though. So thank you to everyone for listening, as always. And, yeah, y'all know the drill. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, tonight is Abs Wings Game 6. You probably won't listen to that early enough. So the rest of the week and next week will be the 96 Cup Finals. So y'all have that to look forward to. Yeah. No Friday this week. No Friday this week, indeed. It will yeah. be Wednesday, Monday again. But uh, anyway, have a good one. We're going to get out of here. Take it easy. Before we go, though, we are going to be having a WGT golf tournament this weekend on Sunday. If you haven't signed up already, be sure to head on over to dnvrgolf.com to download the game. It's an amazing golf game that is incredibly difficult, and I feel the frustration building just like I do on a real golf course when I miss a gimme putt and have to take another stroke. But it's super awesome to play. Uh, you can play with everyone over at the DNVR Lounge and get games going pretty much all day long if you want, alongside the tournaments, which we will be crowning our first DNVR golf champion, DNVR tour, I guess. <laughs> so 
get in on it with us. Have a fun time. Again, it's mobile and on PC both, so you can play either way with us. And yeah, the nbrgolf.com to download. The NBR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. The NBR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. The NBR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo.